You're listening to Rethinking It, conversations about changing our minds. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Stephanie Kerlick, a mindset and self-care coach reminding you to be kind to yourself and to take up space in your own life. Rethinking It is all about change. Through intimate chats between just you and me, as well as honest and thought-provoking conversations with some of my favorite people, we'll explore how our behaviors and beliefs have changed over time. And as we're looking back at the moments and experiences of our lives, we'll also forgive ourselves for not knowing more or doing better. Here's the thing, we're usually just doing the very best that we can in any given moment, and everything changes, including us. Even in the moments when it seems impossible or we think we have it all figured out, We can change our thoughts, our actions, our choices, and our inner dialogue. But sometimes we need someone else to remind us that we can. This podcast is your reminder that you can continue to grow and learn and rethink it all. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm really excited for this conversation today. My guest for this episode is Emily Abe. Emily is the author of the book Love Before Fear, a self-help book about healing anxiety disorders, and she's currently writing her second book, which I know is going to be great, and I can't wait to read it. As a writer and a holistic business and life coach, Emily works online with clients from all over the world on attaining health and wealth and entrepreneurship using effective content marketing and copywriting. She teaches a nervous system-based holistic approach to overcome adversity and to make a great life for yourself. She will also guide you to effectively take care of yourself the way you wish you had been cared for. Regulated and well-resourced are Emily's favorite expressions. And I'm really excited about this conversation with Emily. It was one that I was dying to have when I was brainstorming this podcast because on my journey through chronic illness, Emily has been one of my biggest sources of inspiration. And why I find her so inspiring is because she shares the truth about what she's going through in the moment. And sometimes that truth is exciting. Sometimes that truth is really painful. And I have found so much inspiration and comfort in just her sharing her truth because what I found about chronic illness is that it can be incredibly isolating and we don't often hear about the middle. So what goes on in between becoming ill and getting better, we often focus on what it was like when you first got sick or first got a diagnosis and then we focus on how you healed and what your life is like now. And I think this is pretty common when we're thinking about how we share our experiences. A lot of times you'll hear, and I certainly learned this um, when I was working on my coaching certificate, that you want to get distance between something before you share it. You want to find the lesson in it before you share it. So you don't want to share a big gaping wound with everyone. You want it to be healed so that you have some lessons, some wisdom to share. And while I think that is true most of the time, 
I think when it comes to chronic illness, sharing your truth in the moment can be so, such a relief to someone going through it because you can feel like it's just you and that other people don't understand, particularly if your, your illness is invisible, which mine is and Emily's is as well. And so I think sharing your wound as you are trying to heal it can sometimes be very effective in trying to inspire and create community and really just helping someone know that they are not alone. And so that's what Emily and I really talk about in this episode. We talk about the middle. We're both in it right now. Um, You know, we have had setbacks. We've had successes. We have had, you know, everything in between. And that's what we're really trying to talk about in this episode is what is it like to rethink your life when you are now living with a chronic illness and how it impacts everything that you experience. It certainly impacts your relationships, your business, how you think about yourself. And Emily and I share our struggles, um, whether that's with traditional medicine or treatments that we've tried or just our own mindset or those around us and how we try and move through it, um, but that we try and be real about it and that it is very, it can be very hard and And we want to share that because we want you to know if you're going through something similar that it's okay if it's hard and it's okay if you don't feel super inspirational and it's okay if you feel alone because you're not alone. We're going through it with you. And we also talk about this idea of manifesting illness. Um, And this is something, as I share in the episode, that I really struggled with along my journey. Um, You know, I was... Um, developing my chronic illness, really sort of having the symptoms come forward at the same time that I was deepening a spiritual practice. And those two things really were in opposition. Um, Somewhere I picked up this idea um, that I had manifested my illness, that it was because my thoughts were negative and I thought too much about my illness and that was making me worse and that if I just had positive, positive thoughts that I could get better. And while I think a positive mindset is is critical, um, I really was held back by this mindset for a while because it placed a lot of blame and shame on me. It prevented me from wanting to share what was going on because I felt like if I revealed that I couldn't heal myself, then I was revealing that everything I believed was a a fraud, um, that I was a fraud, and that I wasn't good enough at being spiritual because I couldn't heal myself. And so Emily and I really talked this through in both how we picked up this story in different ways and how we worked through it. Um, And I hope that you find that to be really helpful. This is definitely a conversation that Emily and I plan to continue because our health is ever-changing and what's working for us today might not work for us in six months. And And so I think it's important to share as the journey progresses with you so that you really can get a real in real time sense of what it is like to live with chronic illness. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope that you connect more with Emily and her work, which is so amazing. And um, let's get right into it. Welcome to the podcast, Emily. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Hi, Steph. I'm really, really excited to talk about 
things that are so pertinent to the world that no one ever really talks about. I know. Yeah. So we're going to dive into all things health, illness, everything that happens in between, really dig into this notion of manifesting illness um, and really just get real with what's been going on for both of us. Um, And these, like you said, these are conversations that we don't often have. um, And it makes it seem like we're the only ones going through this. Yeah. Um, but before we dive into that, I thought we could just get started with the present moment and talk a little bit about how you've been feeling lately. Oh, putting me on the spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, lately I've been doing pretty good, um, but that is because I've been on pretty, I would say like strict protocol on a whole food plant-based diet, something that works really well for my healing path. And I also got off of 10 years use of pharmaceuticals for um, psych issues such as anxiety disorders and sleep disturbances and um, depression here and there as well. So I've done a huge huge healing Mm -hmm. um, in the past, I would say year and a half to to two, maybe even three years where I've been really, and I say strict, but I don't mean that I've been like harsh on myself. I've just been really self-disciplined around my healing path. So I started seeing some really amazing results, um, probably like about six months ago and something that's been really awesome for me lately. And I know that you still struggle with this and I feel for you, I'm not perfect with it, but my sleep is sort of coming back. Oh, so that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I say sort of, sort of coming back is like last night I slept amazingly the night before I was super hit and miss type of a thing. Didn't sleep much, maybe slept like two, three hours, which used to be my normal. And I know that's something you resonate with. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I would say like in general, in the present moment, I'm feeling pretty good. And I would attribute that to sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like life is so much easier when you sleep. It's oh my amazing. God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at. And, you know, I always say that it's not necessarily perfect. Like I said, last night I slept well, but Saturday night, total miss. So, um, yeah, like overall, I think I'm kind of starting to reap the rewards of the self-discipline around the healing and having tried so many things too, and eventually landing on something that works for me and that continues to work. So that's kind of where I'm at right now, which is fun. But I always, you know, if there's a flare up, sometimes that happens and we admit it and it Mm -hmm. feels better to talk about it and express it instead of being like, yeah, I'm good. I'm perfect. I'm healed now because it's not linear, right? Right. Not at all. Yeah. And that I think has been such a huge part of this whole process for me, realizing every day is its own day. So I could feel okay today. I could feel like death tomorrow. And the next day, maybe I'll feel like I'm healed. Um, And that none of it is permanent. Um, But I'm so happy to hear that you're sleeping because you're right. Everything in life is so much easier when you are sleeping and you can't really heal very well if you're not sleeping. Um, So it, it definitely, um, I know you get this. It's so frustrating when you just go nights and nights without any sleep. It literally makes you feel like you're losing your mind. Yeah. And it just makes the symptoms that you do have like physical symptoms. Like I'm thinking like when I don't sleep, like my tremors come back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Right. But when I sleep, I have no tremors at all. Right. So 
it is such a big part of our healing and something we can't necessarily control as well as what we can, you know, eat or move our right. body because it's, it requires a lot of support to be able to sleep because it's not just one thing that is affecting our sleep. So, I mean, it's a journey. Like I would say that's the most painful part of, you know, having chronic illness for me was this is, and can still be the sleeping piece. I don't know if you resonate with that. Absolutely. I mean, it feels like, Sometimes it's coming at you all sides. Like, you know, all you need to do is sleep and you could feel a little bit better. But because of your illness, one of your symptoms is insomnia. So you can't freaking sleep. So you literally can't win. I know. And it's, yeah. And then there's like anxiety developed around the sleeping and will I sleep or will I not sleep? And mm-hmm. you kind of have to do a lot of like cognitive mindset work around sleep on top of all the physical work that you do as well to support your body. Right. So, right. Oh, I mean, it's a journey, but it's, it's so cool when you actually get to sleep. Like I remember we were messaging a little bit mm-hmm. two weeks ago. I forget the timeline, but, um, you said, yeah, I slept six hours straight. And I was like, that's amazing. I know. <laughs> and it was because I was eating freaking kiwi. I mean, yeah. like you yeah. never know what's going to help you sleep and I am willing to try it all. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's so funny and like it's funny like as a laughing as a coping me- mechanism way. Um, yes. That, that like six hours straight is like or six hours in general is like a really amazing night of sleep for someone who's dealt with insomnia and chronic illness issues. Whereas some people who, um, you know, great for them that they've never had to experience this reality, but six hours is actually a really bad night of sleep for them. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I experience this with my boyfriend all the time. Like, yeah. I, I, six hours is usually what I get in several nights. Right. Um, and yeah. so he'll get six hours and it's like the world is ending. He hasn't slept in days. He can't think mm-hmm. straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting to see um, because when yeah. you have chronic insomnia, getting an hour or two is normal. And so you kind of forget that the rest of the world isn't functioning on an hour or two of sleep. Yeah. And also, like, I think we become so comfortable with the pain of it that you, mm-hmm. you just like you have no choice but to like just like live with it type of a thing and like figure out how you're going to survive with this reality that it's almost like you lose a bit of that privilege yeah being well rested well and and you just at least for me Mm. I sort of just accepted that this was how it was um and so in that is kind of a little bit of a good amount of surrender but then for me the bad part of the surrender was that I just stopped explaining it to anyone like I just suffered on the inside mm-hmm. and on the outside I might look like I'm well rested because I have 14 layers of makeup on and eye cream and um, mm-hmm. for a long time I used caffeine as a way to manage right. but because it was so normal to me I didn't really feel the need to ever acknowledge it out loud or even to myself right wow yeah that's huge yeah And did you use, and I don't know, I don't think you did, but for me, like, it was so unbearable that I began just taking sleeping pills, and that's how I got into some trouble around the pharmaceutical piece of my illness. Um, Yeah, I dabbled with the sleeping pills. Um, I probably would have gone more full force if I had a doctor that was willing, so 
Uh, I mean, I've dealt with this sleep issue long before um, I got a diagnosis diagnosis of Lyme or Epstein Barr. So, like, I've never slept even as a child. Oh, wow. um, but in my twenties, <laughs> yeah, you're it, a real warrior. Really, is is what you are. <laughs> sure. Yes, I, I'm someone that needs needs some sleep. Um, right. But in my twenties, I you know, I was having my first real job and living my life. And, um, it started to catch up with me because in college I could, you know, sleep until noon and skip class and it didn't really, I could manage a little bit more. Um, but then it slowly started catching up with me. Um, so I went to a doctor and asked for sleeping pills and she said she would give me seven for a year. Um, and that she suggested I get a boyfriend and go to the gym and I would sleep fine. Oh, wow. Well, that's a great prescription. Get a boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Sure. Do it. Um, And um, I did both of those things and still didn't sleep and blew through those seven sleeping pills pretty quickly. Yeah. In a way, I'm glad that she only gave you, I mean, that's not, it's terrible advice, but um, I'm glad that she only gave you seven in a way because, you know, I had the opposite experience where it was like, here's like a million if you mm-hmm. want, basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So I was never, and I was fairly young when I was placed on benzo and also sleeping pills. And then I was moved on to Seroquel, which is actually an antipsychotic, but I would just use it to sleep and it would basically like make me so dizzy that I would just pass out. Like it worked, but it was just highly- At what cost? Yeah, exactly. It was just, there was a lot of side effects and then there was a lot of, you know, destroying to my body that happened through that. And, you know, looking back, I'm like, you know, I wish I had a doctor who wasn't so pro pill and would have been like, okay, you might need like some other kind of help here or like, let's dig deeper instead of just bandaging, bandaging the situation. Um, and just giving me an unlimited amount of refills really, because I thought it was okay. It was my doctor giving it to me. Like, I didn't think I had a drug problem. Like I, I never even did any recreational drugs. So eventually to find out that I had a dependency on drugs right. was like shocking. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> right. So in a way, I'm glad that that wasn't your path. So you didn't have to, you know, suffer withdrawal, but at the same time, it must've been super scary to not have a solution. Right. Right. Yeah. And that, I mean, and I'm sure you probably have experience with this as well. The whole journey on when you have a chronic illness of mm-hmm finding support and what is supportive and what isn't and when are you believed and when are we, when are you not? I mean, several years ago, um, I was seeing a different doctor um, and also got some pretty crappy advice, which was basically that I was just born depressed. I would always be depressed. And Mm -hmm. so if I would just take an antidepressant every day for the rest of my life, literally I would be floating on, you know, a cloud with rainbows and unicorns. All of my problems would go away. Mm. All of my physical problems. Mm -hmm. Um, and this diagnosis happened within five minutes of meeting this person. And so I walked away with a prescription uh, and that was it. There was no follow-up. There was no conversation. It was just, I am depressed, will always be. And that must be why I'm so sick. Mm, yeah. And did you take it? I didn't. Um, I, I almost did so many times. Um, yeah. And had I not been connected into the community that I was. So if it had been five years earlier, I would have just taken the pills because my doctor was telling me to. Um, I was at my wits end. I was barely able to get out of bed. So, and everyone was telling me it was in my head. So if everyone's telling you it's in your head, 
except you, then it's probably in your head. That's what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> and but that's I, so damaging. I know. Yeah. And I, I mean, luckily I had, you know, met health coaches and holistic doctors. And so I had this level of awareness. And so I made some calls before I took the pills um, and actually started to talk to people that had very similar symptoms as me um, and started to read things like The Medical Medium and um, Kelly Brogan's book. Um, and so I never took them. But even so, even with that level of awareness, desperation was high. Um, and so many times I opened the bottle and just said, you know what, I'm just going to do it. Um, and luckily I didn't. Um, because I don't think it would have helped me where I was in that moment, but yeah, it's really scary. Yeah. Yeah. It really truly is. And the discussion around medication is so controversial, mm -hmm. <laughs> so controversial, but ultimately like, for example, like sleeping pills and, uh, benzos, they're not supposed to be used for more than like two weeks at a time at the very, very max. Right. Yet they're prescribed for years. Like I was on benzo for 10 years. Right. So. Kind of like, it's just a vitamin. Like it's something exactly. like you're not yeah. able to sleep on your own. So you need to take this to supplement. Yeah. Yes. And I think it's, and because you read the Kelly Brogan book or you've listened to mm -hmm. some of the material, I'm sure you're aware that, you know, they can't even prove if it actually helps in many cases. Or right. Not. Um, but anyway, I, I'm sure that benzos actually help because of the physical response that you get. Like I, it's a whole other, I'm not going to speak as an expert here, but you know, I, I'm sure that the benzo versus the antidepressants in research shows more, um, like results I'm assuming. Right. Just because it's like that short acting, right. Suppresses your, you know, it suppresses, I'm not even going to say the, the right thing. So I'm just going to move from that, <laughs> from that conversation right now. Um, but yeah, like I feel like, sure, it, it definitely helps. But like you said at the beginning, at what cost, right? At what cost do these medications really help us? And what are the ingredients in them, right? And why is it our first thought um, yeah. instead of trying to see if there could be anything else going on? Um, it's, it's just do this, your symptoms will go away because either you'll numb them out or you'll have all these new symptoms. So you'll forget about the other ones without yeah. doing any investigation. Yes. And it's like, even if they work, which again, I can't speak as an expert cause I don't know. I haven't done all the research to like speak as that, but even if they work, my concern is what are the ingredients though? Right. Like, like, you know, there's aspartame, there's MSG, there's sugar, there's dairy. And this I know for sure. So I feel like I'm okay saying it. Yeah. It's so like, even if the pills work and there's research that some research that says you can't even really prove that they are helping. Okay. Even if they work, but you're also putting MSG, aspartame, natural, like natural artificial flavors that are MSG into your system every day. And that is also a known cause of irritating the neurological system. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that doesn't make sense to me of, okay, I'm going to take this pill that's supposed to heal me, but yet it has ingredients that, um, is going to make me sicker in some other way. Like I just don't get the point of that. Right? right. And I think it's pushed onto us as though it's a self-help tool. Like you said, like it's a supplement, it's a vitamin. Well, if you can't sleep on your own, no big deal. Let's just put you on these pills instead of finding the root cause of the problem. But then it's also going to make you sicker because it irritates your, ner like your nervous system essentially. Yeah. And then you're just stuck on this loop. 
Yeah. So it's like, it's super frustrating. So I'm glad that that wasn't part of your journey, but I can say that you're like so strong and see that you're so strong because in my position, like I was so desperate. I didn't even care. Like I just, I couldn't even have the self-control of being like, I'm going to, I'm going to go find the root cause. I was just like, I need to stop suffering so I can function. Yeah. So no, I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I don't hate myself for it in any way looking back on it because I just wanted to feel better. I wish though there would have been better resources, which I think is why it's so important to start having these conversations so that they can be in the world. Um, so that if someone else is put in the same position that we're in, hopefully they make a choice that's more similar to yours than mine in terms of pharmaceutical usage, right? Yeah. Or at least have pause to yeah, think about what's right for you. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe just, maybe you know more than your doctor knows. And that for me was like such a huge mindset shift because my mom is a nurse. I worked in hospitals all through um, my teenage years. And so, and I'm someone who really likes rules and order and so, credentials matter to me. Um, so to think that I might know more about what's best for me than the professional in the room um, took me a really long time to even consider that that was possible. Ooh, yeah. I feel like, to be quite honest, I still have a lot of stuff around that. Mm -hmm. Like I have a hard time still, even after everything I've been through, like if a doctor tells me something, I have a hard time being like, wait a minute, pause, right? Because it's so ingrained in my, like in my systematic responses. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I even find that now I work with a naturopathic doctor and for a while I was taking her word as it was the gospel and everything she said I would do. Uh, and I'm like, wait, I, she's still another person. So I'm still doing the same thing I did with my traditional doctor. I just think it's okay because she is natural. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's true for everything, whether yeah. that's like a spiritual source or a medical source. It's like when we have illness, I feel like we disconnect from our bodies because our bodies are so much in pain. So we have a harder time uh, noticing our impulses and being embodied because it's just so painful to be there. So we kind yes. of analyze authority because we've also lost trust in our own bodies and we feel like we are like in a war against ourselves. ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's exactly how the past many years have felt like, like I'll mm -hmm. catch myself even now saying like, I'm at war with my body or my cells hate me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah, it's, how can you trust yourself when you feel like you are fighting against yourself? Right. Yeah. It's, is that a question? <laughs> no. It's just a statement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's difficult. And it's so, I think that's where the medical medium for me, when he came into my life, even if it was just to drop the truth that was, Hey, your body, like your body is not failing you. It's actually a pathogen that's from the exterior. That's from someone else's free wills doing that is creating this it's not your body that's weak or wants to keep you sick I think that just like changed my life and I don't know I wasn't expecting it to change my life type mm -hmm. of a thing but it just like gave me like this relief of oh my god my body isn't trying to ruin my life but I I lived with that so deeply and so intimately that my body hated me like I kept saying 
I'm in a prison. My immune system is shitty. Um, you know, like my body is the worst. It's, it, I'm living in the, a prison of my own flesh, I used to say, right? Mm-hmm. So that was so huge for me. And it took a couple of years, like medical medium came into my life almost three years ago now. And it, it took a couple years for me to start not self-hating when I had some symptoms that were more particularly harmful and hurtful to my everyday life, right? Yeah. And I think... Um... I don't know if, if you've experienced this, but I think being part of the spiritual community and self-help and surrender and affirmations and love and light, um, mm-hmm. when I got sick, I really um, bought into this idea of I was manifesting this illness and I had to find the, the root condition, which was a spiritual condition. And mm-hmm. so there was something wrong with my soul. And until mm-hmm. I could come to terms with that, I couldn't get physically better. Um, and I stayed in that mindset for almost two years of feeling like I could heal myself through journaling and meditation. And those things are all great and helpful. Um, but I was denying the fact that I had a physical illness. Right. Yeah. And just curious, cause I don't think we've had this conversation together before what like made you realize that this mindset and this belief was actually contributing to more self-hate than self-compassion um i think oh i think it's kept getting worse like i couldn't understand why i was doing all of the things i Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I was saying the healing affirmations and I was doing the Kundalini meditation for healing and I was journaling and I was eating all the right foods and I was going to the retreats. Um, and I kept getting worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember if there was sort of a light bulb moment, but I just started thinking like, this can't be all there is. Um, and maybe I was, I bought into it because I wanted to believe that I could heal myself. Um, but it just never worked. And so I, I had out of desperation, just like you are desperate to take the sleeping pill. um, (laughs) I had to try something else. Um, and so I found a naturopathic doctor. I got some blood tests and she said, uh, no, you're really sick. Um, it's not in your head and it's not a condition of your soul. You literally have viruses and bacteria in your body. It's a real thing. Yeah. And I think for me also, when I had that moment where I was like, oh, like it's a real thing. You have viruses and pathogens and bacteria that is contributing to these symptoms. I was like, I knew it. (laughs) Right. Like I just like, I knew it just simply because I had also been in that world too. Like I was also doped up on pharmaceuticals at the same time, Mm -hmm. but like I was still like, I, the same thing. I was journaling and I was saying all these freaking affirmations. I had affirmations everywhere. I am healed. I am healing. I am safe. Yet I felt none of them. Like, right. it's like, I couldn't connect with that because I didn't feel safe. I felt, I felt terrified. I felt like my body was about to fail at any moment. I didn't feel like I was healed. Like it just felt, and, and then I would like express the fact that I was having a hard time doing the affirmations and, and doing the meditations and et cetera, et cetera. And then I would be met by whomever was the teacher at the time with kind of like, you're not doing it right. Or like you are like stuck in wanting to be a victim or you're doing this because you want attention from your mom or whatever it might be. Right. Mm-hmm. And 
that would end up just making me feel like a failure and actually hate myself more. <laughs> yes, right? exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it's it, crazy. And the shame and like, I felt so, I felt like such a failure. Like too, I, yeah. I had the tools within me. It, I mm-hmm. caused this and yeah. I had the tools to fix it and yet I couldn't do it. And so what, what a failure I must be. And uh, why am I doing this to myself? And it's, mm-hmm. it was such a bad place to be in because it, you're one, you're denying the actual truth about being sick. Mm-hmm. You're denying your own experience of it. Like I wouldn't even t- talk about it because I felt like if I said the words out loud, then I'm giving power to them. And so I'm going to just ask the universe for more sickness. Yeah. Oh my, I totally forgot that I did this too. (laughs) Yeah. And you couldn't even speak about it, you know, like don't put attention to it, but that was just living in, oh, this was long ago for me, but yeah, this was like living in denial. It was like, it, it didn't help in any way. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So how did you shift out of that? I, hmm. Let me backtrack. I think for me, I grew up in a very spiritual household. Like my mom is known to be like super, and I say known, like I'm not sure everybody would say it the way that I'm about to, but she just does a lot of bypassing, right? So mm-hmm. like, for example, I'm going to just, and this is not to bash my mom, still love her. She's just got her own stuff going on. But for example, if I would, if I would express, um, any kind of uncomfortable feeling about her as my mom or something that she was doing that was really affecting me and hurting me. And I would, I just wanted to express my feelings and have them validated. She would always kind of answer with the line of thought of like, well, you incarnated as my daughter and that was your choice. So forgive yourself for being my daughter if you're upset with me. So this is the kind of Mm -hmm. like environment that I grew up in. So for me, For me, I was very much so like spirituality, a lot of the shame induced beliefs, like that was just normal for me. It wasn't weird. It wasn't something I learned as a teenager or as a young adult. Like it was just always how I grew up and how I thought things worked. Right. So when I got sick and when I was sick, it wasn't even like really something I like seeked out this line of thinking of, Oh, I manifested this. It was just like a given, like if you're sick, you manifested it. Right. Or you don't feel safe enough or you don't feel healed enough or you're not, you are holding on to anger and grief and you should let go of it. Right. So to me, I never really had the opportunity to be in a space where this was just something I adapted throughout the years. Like this was just my normal. Mm -hmm. So it took a while for me to like realize, Oh shit, like this isn't necessarily true. (laughs) And when I did, it was because I kept using all of my mom's tools and strategies. And like my mom had everything spiritual, you know, aligned. Like she had everything from like tuning forks to chakra posters, like just everything. And she'd always be like, the next thing is going to make you feel better or going to let you go uh, or let help you let go of whatever it might be that is making you feel sick. There was so little acknowledgement that, oh, like 
my nervous system was dysregulated because of trauma in, in my family system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I eventually, as I grew up and moved out and went to school, like I started being involved in different things. And I went to school for journalism and then I went to school for psych briefly. And through psych, I found something called somatic experiencing. And somatic experiencing is the nervous system health science um, that helps basically people recover from trauma, having a dysregulated nervous system. Um, And I just decided that I wanted to be a somatic experiencing practitioner because I went to see a practitioner of my own and it like changed everything because it wasn't, it wasn't just spiritual induced. And of course, like his take on it wasn't necessarily like, Oh, you have a virus or you have a pathogen and you have a bacteria. He was just like, Oh, listen, you have a lot of developmental trauma and there's been a lot of denial and your system is actually super dysregulated and we're going to help you get some regulation back. So I went through that and through doing more so of a grounded approach with nervous system health, um, I was able to start realizing that a lot of the spiritual stuff that I had been kind of incubated in truthfully, mm. it didn't really stand on a biological level. Like it wasn't, it just wasn't true. And it actually was some kind of coping mechanism. And it's not to bash every spiritual idea. There's still a lot of them. It's just, it's dangerous when we move them into the bypassing territory. Right. Um, so that to me was like the first thing that I was like, okay, it's not me. Like for some reason doing the biological work and understanding our biological body brought me back to like this grounded sense of, oh, I actually have been affected by things, whether that was people or viruses or bacterias that have caused me to react. And it's not me being bad and not being a good enough (laughs) spiritual Mm -hmm. person that's making me sick. So that was like the long story, long story to answer your question. That was really the thing that helped me shift out of it was to go back to our bodies and actually look at our biology. And from then on, then I got different resources and I was able to kind of make my own views of the world and make my own views of why we get sick and how we get sick. And then eventually I got into who Anthony William is and the medical medium and I worked with him and I understood more things. And then I started just looking at holistic health in a general sense and applied it to me. And that's kind of how I got to where I am here eventually. But that big shift was, Oh, (laughs) biologically, right. We don't manifest like basically we don't manifest from our thoughts in many ways we, we, and I don't even know if I want to say this, but it feels like to me, if we manifest from everything, we manifest more so from our environments and the people around us. Right. Like, and it's not even really manifestation. It's just like action consequence. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So that was a big deal for me. I don't know if that answers your question or you want to pull anything from that, but yeah, no, I think, um, I think it was similar in a sense for me in that I had to see like actual scientific evidence, um, which for me was the blood work um, before I could believe that this wasn't just something that some sort of spiritual lesson that I had to keep learning before I would feel better. Um, And, and 
that to me, looking back is just a sign of how disconnected from my body I actually was. Um, because I couldn't even feel these symptoms. I couldn't believe them. I just really thought that it was because I wasn't meditating hard enough. (laughs) Right. And that's so shameful because then it's, it's your response. Not only do you have to deal with an illness, but then it's also your fault that you have an illness. Yes. It was my fault that I had it and my fault that I couldn't get rid of it. Um, and so then that just, I, I, for me, then I just isolated myself, especially because at the time I was so deep into the spiritual stuff that that was basically everyone I was in, associating with at the time was a spiritual healer and a coach. And um, to, I felt like I couldn't share anything truthful because I was going to be found out as a fraud. Ooh. And what do you mean by that? Like, how- um, because... Uh, you know, I was going to the retreats and meditating and wearing the malas and um, on the outside looked like I, you know, was this zen, calm, happy, healthy person, affirmations, yay, yay, yay. Um, but on the inside, I was literally dying. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. But no one knew that. Right. And that must have been so painful for you. I'm so sorry, like to hide that. Yeah. I mean, at the time I, I didn't know any difference. So again, what, whatever is your normal is, is normal to you. Um, but looking back, it was like, what a, I had more, tra- I just caused more trauma. And so I magnified my physical symptoms. Mm, yeah. 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 Um, so you mentioned finding the medical medium and that it took you a while to sort of get on board with that. But how did you first encounter the medical medium? Um, how did I first encounter him? So a couple years ago, like 2015, I'd say, um, I, I still had my business. Like I've had my business for five years now. So it was maybe like year two of my business at the time. Um, maybe year two, maybe going into year three. Um, but I had a client who you probably know who she is. We're not going to like name her name because it's unnecessary, but um, I had, I had a client who, I actually was getting a reading with him. I think I do know who it is. Yeah. Okay, cool. And she brought it up to me and she's like, you know, I'm feeling really nervous because I'm scared. Like, what if he says I have cancer? Like he's supposed to be this like medium who can like scan your entire body and tell you exactly what your health issues are and then put you on some kind of protocol to heal it. And it's like, there's people with like miracle stories. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. And my take on it was, okay, like, don't take this too seriously. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? I was like, don't take this seri- too seriously. Like mediums can always be right and wrong. Like, you know, it's a hidden myth kind of situation. You know, even if he says you have cancer, like you should go get tested to make sure you have cancer. Right. Um, but I was like, and most likely he won't say that. So she said, no, but he's actually for real and he's legit. Like, it's amazing. You should check him out. And I said, okay, sure. Like, Cool. And then we just kind of moved on with the conversation that we were in in session. And um, I think that night I like downloaded his book onto my Kindle. You know, when you do that, like you just download books onto Kindle and you just leave them there for a Mm -hmm. while. That's what I did with his first book. And this was when his first book had literally just come out. It was 2015. And she got a reading with him and she loved it. And then she got other people in her life to get readings with him. And this is when he was still doing one-on-one. So it was possible. And yeah, like eventually 
I just kind of forgot about it, but it went well with her and she was pleased and everything was good. And I just forgot about the fact that this existed and this was a thing. And, um, then I was speaking in schools cause I used to do a lot of public speaking around mental health awareness in schools. And I used to facilitate workshops and things like that. And I had to go on this like trip to go to a different school board and I was sleeping like at a friend's, like I wasn't home and I just, I couldn't sleep classic. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I took my Kindle and I just like opened his book and I read it all that night and I just felt like super changed by it. And I just felt like, oh my God, this person, this medium, this like, honestly, I was kind of like very, very skeptical. Um, but I felt like he had expressed things that I had never gotten validation about. And that's mm-hmm. really what touched me. Like when I first started reading the books, like he, he knew what it was like to be sick. And there was like a level of validation that I truthfully had never experienced before. So that gave me like this sense of, oh my, like I need to get a reading with him. <laughs> mm. right? Like I was just like, I need to talk to him. I feel like this has a lot of my answers. I feel like I have these things. I feel like I have everything he's been explaining that is, you know, depicting my issues. So I was lucky enough to get to work with him one-on-one and I don't know how it happened. I'd never have prayed in my life for something more than this, <laughs> but But yeah, I was lucky enough to get to work with him and he worked with me over a little course of time. And at the time, like I was, when I first spoke with him, I was getting infections every two weeks um, to the point where I was like basically living on antibiotics. Like I was functional. I tried my best to function and I still had a good level of success in my life, but I was suffering mostly day in and day out. And I felt like I couldn't show that because then I would lose all my opportunities. Right. So yeah. And that's another huge other topic, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah. And I was living on antibiotics, like literally popping them like vitamins. And yeah, when I first talked to him, he put me on a routine, like a protocol for me, like specific to what I was dealing with. And I kid you not, since that time I have never taken an antibiotic since like not at all. That's incredible. Yeah. And, and this comes from like a situation where I was on antibiotics, like literally at least once a month. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it was just, it was just amazing. And when I like maybe three, four or five months in, I, I was like, Oh my God, like I haven't taken an antibiotic. This is crazy. This isn't just a coincidence anymore. Right. Hmm. So then that's when I went fully plant-based and that's when I cleaned up a lot more things. And then I eventually uh, got off pharmaceuticals a little over a year ago now. So it, that was a progressive thing that I built myself up to because my system needed a lot of support to be able to wean off and right. in some cases go cold turkey, unfortunately. So yeah, um, that's how I first got into contact with him. And then I got so lucky to be able to get like a specific protocol from him that actually worked for me. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, it was just amazing. And then from that standpoint, like started researching much more around plant-based diets and how that could specifically help me and different herbs. And yeah, like I would say like mostly I'm, I'm pretty symptom free at this point, like on a general level, I still have a lot of issues with my skin that I'm still healing, but in terms of like neurological distress, and infections, I have 
infections, I have nothing that's still coming up and neurologically, oof, like it's day and night. <laughs> that's incredible. And to have gone through so many trials to figure out, you know, what you could do to feel better and then find something and then it actually works. Yeah. Um, that I, I dream of that day. Um, yeah. but that's just so incredible. Um, yeah, it was crazy. And the thing is, is like, I tried everything, you know, before I went, right. Before I went with his protocol and before I decided to go plant-based. But what was crazy is that he recommends a lot of fruit, right? So I was very skeptical on that because I did candida diet for nearly two years. Oh point. yeah. So, like, sugar. I, I mean, sugar, yeah. don't you know it's going to kill you? Yeah, exactly. Like I straight up did not even eat raspberries. Like I felt guilty and bad yeah. if I ate a raspberry, which is like nuts. Right. But to, to just like endocrine that into yourself. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just feel like, wow, I went through a lot of resistance around the process, but as soon as I started not getting infections anymore, I started trusting it more because I was seeing results. Right. And that's my wish for everybody. Like I hope that you find the thing that will give you the results you're looking for, you know? And it's like, I don't know, it's, it, it gets me choked up, right? Because it's, it's, wow, it's life-changing when that well, happens. And I think it, you have to have a lot of patience and resilience to find the thing because it's just in our nature right now. Everything is a quick fix. Uh, and so you try something for a day, even a week, and you don't feel any better. You're like, well, yeah, that's not going to work. And so you move on to the next thing. Um, and so to be able to stick with it, especially when it is, you know, sort of an overhaul of your lifestyle and wait for the, the evidence that it could be working. And it's a slow process um, mm -hmm. that takes a lot of trust. So um, that's just amazing that you were able to do that. And I'm so happy for you. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's, I think you're right. It does take a lot of trust and it takes a lot of, um, takes a lot of things like including like resiliency yeah. and, and all of these things. But that's what I say to people too. It's like what, regardless of what you're trying to help yourself heal, try to give it enough time. Like it, you know, people do this for like two, three weeks and then they're like, never mind, this isn't helping, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, whoa, like slow down. Perhaps it hasn't been long enough. It's not this thing that won't work. Right. right? But then it's, it's confusing and it's frustrating and it's, you just, you want to feel better. You know, that's, that's yeah. the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing I try and remind myself of is it took me a really long time to get this sick. So it's probably going to take me a while to get better. Yeah. Uh, and so in the moments where I'm about to give up and like, I'm just going to go back to how I used to live. Like I didn't, I feel the same as I did when I was, you know, pounding pizza and beer every day. Um, so why not just go back to that life? I'm like, well, that all added up and here I am today. So it's going to take a while to undo all of that damage. Yeah. That's so true. It's like, if you've been, and even with the medical medium protocols, I just, because I'm in the community and, and such, and I feel like some people will be like, well, I've been doing this for three months and I have, you know, I have very little improvement. And it's like, but wait a minute, how long have you been sick though? If you've been sick for three decades, three months is barely cutting it, <laughs> right? Like that's almost impossible to reverse whatever has been happening. So keep going, right? But yeah, and I think, um, 
I think so, the world of social media also just feeds into this. Like I, I find like health comparison and health envy, like, oh, mm. I can see that she's, you know, drinking her celery juice every day and she's healed. I, I, why can't I be healed? Um, mm. So it makes it seem like it's that easy. Um, but there's so much that goes into it. You just don't see it all. Yeah. And also like some people are very privy to like, fully sharing the bad days, right? So it's like, yes, they're maybe feeling a bit better or a lot better, but you don't know if sometimes they break down and cry because they're not videotaping that, right? Yeah, and that that's something that I am definitely trying to work through now is like how yeah. much do you share? Um, and, and so I think you, at least for me, you seem like you share a good amount of balance of both when you're feeling better and when you're struggling. And for someone who is struggling in that moment, like seeing a video of you when you can't sleep at night, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm not alone. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting. I feel like I do it for other people to feel less alone and to feel connection within whatever they're going through. But I also do it for me. Like it's, it's, it's like freeing and it's like catharsis to be like, yeah, I can't, it's four in the morning and I haven't slept one wink and I need to get up in two hours and who knows if I'll even sleep. Right. And then I have to hold space for like five people the next day and help fix their problems. And I'm struggling more than they are. Like that's, that's a lot of responsibility. And that's a lot of, you know, like I can, feelings of fraud can come up. Like, I feel like I'm going to do a bad job. Like, I, it's, it's intense. And the way that I work through that is just to admit it. And for me, that works for some reason. I know that it doesn't work for everybody that way, but I just feel like the more I admit it, the less I have to hide and Mm -hmm. the less I am because of that. Well, and the hiding doesn't do anything for your health. Exactly. Um, but how, how did you reconcile that notion of, I can be struggling, I can help people live a happier, healthier life and still be sick um, and, and feel like you could actually share that without that fear that it was going to sabotage your business? Yeah. You know, that's, that's an ongoing thing. Like I will say, like, I'll share just on Saturday, I got some, I got some trigger because my family is not the most stable family in the world, you know, as a lot of people with chronic illnesses background is. Um, but yeah, I got some kind of trigger on Saturday, um, surrounding my family and, you know, I was just sent into like a night of just panic attacks. Just no matter what I did, I iced my vagus nerve. I had a snack. I walked around, I watched some TV. I talked to a friend who was still up on the West coast. (laughs) Like I did everything I could. I went on my rebounder. I discharged some energy. Like I did everything yet. I was up to like five or six on Mm -hmm. Saturday and I remember feeling like, oh my God, what if I can't work all week? And then what if I lose money? And what if everybody hates me? Like that still comes up. And this wasn't like seven weeks ago. Like this was literally like 48 hours ago. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, yeah, like that still happens. And how do I reconcile it? I usually say this is temporary and I have a lot of self-compassion. And I say, listen, if you need to cancel a day or you need to reschedule a day, and if you feel like you're really not your best and you can't give other people your best or you can't give other people worth or value because you need to take care of yourself, then that's okay. People take time off of work all the time. You can take some time off, bump things around, change things around. 
flexibility, fluidity is okay. You're allowed to do that. Everyone's going to understand. If they don't, that's okay as well. We can talk it out or they're just not fits for you, right? Like I have to really like talk to myself as though I'm like a panicking five-year-old in those moments because, you know, my business also includes my safety. Like that's how I make my income. That's how I can have my safe space. That's how I can eat my healing foods. Like, so there's a lot riding on it. Like I'm not in a situation where if I can't work, then my spouse is just going to take over or my family member is going to pay for what I need. Right? Like it's, it's on me. So when I feel like my body's not well, that's terrible. It's terrifying. Right. But the way through for me and reconciling that is always, always to remember that connection is one of the most healing things for people. So if I show up with a soft heart, even if I'm not feeling good, and of course there's nuances to this, like if I really need to reschedule things, I do. But even if I'm struggling a little bit and I'm not having the best day and my body is hurting or I have a symptom, if I show up to a call, whether whatever the topic of the call is, if I'm in my soft heart and I'm in a space where I can hold space for connection, sometimes that's even more healing than me being perfect. Mm-hmm. Right? And I've just seen that time and time and time again. The more connection you can offer to people, the more healing it is for people because there's nothing better than feeling like you're not alone in something. Absolutely. So, I sometimes feel like I'm even more useful in those times where I can hold space for more connection and more storytelling and, you know, being in that space where it's, that's okay. You're having this day. Cause I am too, or I have in the past, you know, week or whatever it might be. Right. And sometimes I feel like that is so much more inspiring than being perfect. Right. So that's how I've kind of bridged it together and that I manage it. I would say like decently well. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's just so true. I think, um, and you can witness it with other people. You could see them sharing their truth and you're like, oh, that's really nice. I should do more of that. And then you kind of forget it for yourself, but just reminding yourself of how, how much sort of comfort you find in someone else sharing what they're truly going through. And so if you're experiencing that, if you do the same thing, then other people are going to experience that same thing too. Um, Because especially when you're talking about chronic illness, and and especially if it's an invisible illness, um, you can feel completely invisible, um, completely alone. And so even just sharing what you're going through, then other people are going to have the courage to share what they're going through. And now you're not alone anymore. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I even like, just if anybody's listening and you have your own business and this is a struggle for you because it is a really painful struggle, um, to feel like you won't be able to keep up your good work in the world because of something you didn't choose, like your illness. Right. Uh, I just say, just also like people, the more you care about them and the more you care about connection will also have so much more flexibility and fluidity for you if you constantly show them that it's okay not to be perfect, Mm -hmm. right? And then they learn from you that it's okay to not be perfect, which is amazing. Like I've had some issues sometimes with clients in the past five years. Like it's, you know, I've not 
been in this just for like six months. So like I've had different situations where some people, you know, at one point I did have to take a bit of a sabbatical and, you know, that really upset some of my clients. Like I'm thinking about one specific woman who like really felt like she was dropped because I had to take some time off, but um, I couldn't show up. Like just physically I couldn't. And I tried my best to try to smooth that over with her and try to find a solution that could work for her while she still felt supported because I couldn't show up. And that was one of the hardest parts of my business of having to feel like I can't show up and still stay in the whole space of I'm safe. Even if this person is mad at me for not being able to show up, right. You know, like I'm still safe. I'm still going to have clients. I'm still going to have an income not everything is going to collapse because I have to take this sabbatical for a month or two, right? Like it was incredibly hard. Like that was one of the hardest parts of being a business owner for me in the past five years is when I had to take that sabbatical. And thankfully I was able to because of my business. However, like having this woman be upset and feel like I was not being the person she signed up to work with was like nearly like traumatizing. Like it's all I focused on for, for a couple of weeks because right. I, I felt so bad. And I felt like, you know, I failed so, so hard in that moment, even though it wasn't really me, it was the illness. Right. But that was a huge thing. And I, I got through it. And, you know, when I came back from sabbatical, I actually, my business even did better because I was able to connect with more people. So if you just, know how to regulate your nervous system, it's going to be way easier through illness for sure. But also it's hard to hold that space of, I can't be perfect, but I'm still safe. Right. right. Like, you know, like safety means perfection. So it's, it's hard. It's hard. So I feel you if you're listening and you've ever gone through this, it is really, really scary. Yeah. And I think just like that he- healing is a journey and every day is different so mm-hmm. is that idea of having to show up as perfect versus being vulnerable. Some days you're going to, it's going to be easy um, and you're going to feel like you really are able to share what's going on and other days you're going to hide. And that's just, yeah. and that's fine. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you have to give yourself permission to, to be whatever you're going to be in that moment. Yeah. And I think that idea of like, even if you're not perfect, even if you're disappointing people, and I'm talking about it from a self-employed perspective, just simply because that's my life. Right. But that also means like, if you have an employed situation, like a employer situation, right? Like I've heard stories of people feeling like they can't take care of themselves because they can't let anybody down, but eventually they collapse and then they can't take care of themselves in any way. Right. So it's, it's so tough. Like, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah. I mean, I think I, I tend to be the person that will just suffer, 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 push, 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 hide, 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 and collapse. I mean, a few years ago, um, when I was at the height of my illness, before I started, uh, before I got a diagnosis, before I started any kind of healing protocol, um, I was just trying to like white knuckle it through the day and Mm -hmm. just fake it until I make it. And I got to the point where I couldn't get through a work day. um, And so I was constantly calling in sick. I was in a new job. I was calling in sick. I was having to leave early. I was, you know, in my office and all of a sudden I would like lose sight for a few seconds or I couldn't get, figure out where I was in like time and space. Um, 
And I was going to the doctor almost every day. And I had no choice but to admit that I was not managing because I had hidden it for so long, ignored it for so long, and just tried to push through it because I felt like I had no other choice. I had to work. Um, I had to be successful. I needed to just, you know, suck it up. Um, And then all of a sudden one day I couldn't do that anymore. And I had to completely restructure my entire life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and what was the reason why you didn't admit to not being well until you fully like had a breakdown? I mean, part of me was still in that mindset that it was all in my head because everyone around me was telling me it was, um, I, you know, I was seeing doctor after doctor and no one was everything I would say, no, that's not real. Like even something like Lyme, no, no, Lyme's not really a thing. Um, And so a part of me crazy. bought into that. So I, I mean, part of me really did think that I was maybe a little bit crazy um, or I was weak. Um, part of it is, you know, the way I was raised, I was raised by a single mother. And so I, a lot of great things came with that. Um, and the idea that I had to take care of myself is one of those good things, but also on the flip side, um, it goes too far sometimes where I can't admit that I need help because I have to be able to do it on my own. Yeah. Wow. Right. Wow. So, okay. I have so many thoughts about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like the whole, I have for like, first of all, the whole, I have to be able to do it on my own thing is huge. Like I can't for like, I'm assuming like your mom had to do everything on her own. Right. Like there was absolutely, there was no other way. Yeah. Because there was no one who was helping. Right. Right. So it's like, you just assume like, there's no one who's going to help me, which, and then you probably had examples of that. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I think the whole idea of how relationships are impacted when you are ill, um, Mm -hmm. has been something that I have definitely been in the process of trying to deal with because yeah, you do it all on your own. And so you're assuming like, I've been in a relationship for over eight years. Um, and I was not, I was healthier. Um, I had less symptoms when we started dating. And then I had a peak where I was feeling awesome. And then all of a sudden everything crumbled. Um, but because I have this mindset of, I have to do it on my own. I can't rely on other people. I am this strong, independent woman. Mm. I put that on him, mm. almost convincing myself that he wouldn't be there for me. So I shouldn't even ask. Yeah. Um, and that's toxic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For me and for him and for the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like I have to hide this because it's not lovable and it's not perfect. Right. And it's a burden and I don't want it. So these people obviously won't want it, but then I'll end up alone if I show them anyway. So I might as well not. Yeah. I mean, for layers. (laughs) Yeah. For me, it bled into all, all relationships. So my, my romantic relationship, friendships, even work, like, yeah, you don't want to put it on someone or you don't want to be that person that's always complaining. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you just don't want to be the sick one or the Debbie Downer one. And so you just put on a mask every day and Mm -hmm. pretend like you are this version of yourself that you just aren't. And it's really exhausting. And at some point the mask has to come off or you can't, you can't move on. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And I think, and that's making me think of how 
we associate doing, like doing more, performing more with our worth in the world, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like when you have illness and then you're not able to do all the things you were doing, or for example, you need to take a sabbatical or a break or take sick days or whatever it might be. It's like, we feel like such failures because we feel like if we're not able to do, even if it's just temporarily, which most, in most cases it is, right? We feel like we're completely worthless. Yes. that's, That's what we actually feel like. We feel like we're not worth anything because we can't function the same way that other people do. But then we blame ourselves for the lack of functioning when that's not the right thing to blame. Right? Yeah, definitely. And I think then you're just, you're just stuck in this loop of you're hating yourself. You're starting to resent the people around you because they're not showing up for you or they're not um, understanding, but you haven't revealed anything. So how the hell can they show up for you? And then that hate makes you hate yourself more, feel more like a failure. Then there's more resentment. And all the while you are just torturing your body. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. It, it, to unpack all of it, it like, it will take a lifetime. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and that's even another thing too, that I find like chronic illness itself is a trauma. Yes. You know, like I think chronic illness can be results of trauma for sure. Like it, it can, you know, trauma can have an impact on your adrenals, thus having an impact on feeding your viruses and your pathogens, thus giving the pathogens and the virus more power. Like that's how emotional blows can have an impact, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But trauma, like there's a lot of trauma in chronic illness, a lot, because you lose things, you lose things as identity, you lose your sense of worth, you lose some relationships, you lose like work sometimes. It's crazy what people have to go through. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's, so, so sad because there's not enough resources to even just get the conversation started. Right. right? But then there's little resources in terms of like, okay, well, what are you supposed to do when you're unfunctional, for example? And how could we even like help people not get to the point of being unfunctional, like dysfunctional in terms of, you know, not dysfunctional and you're dysfunctional, but in the sense of like not being able to show up and take care of themselves, right? Because I think recovery of chronic illness is largely largely all about taking care of yourself in ways that work for you while being on some kind of treatment or protocol plan that heals you, right? Yeah. So Uh, how has your view of yourself changed through your illness? Hmm. Well, like I mentioned earlier, my skin is probably the thing that's still plaguing me a lot. So I have something that's called vitiligo slash some fungal um, stuff on my skin. Have you ever heard about vitiligo? Yes. So it's like commonly said to be an autoimmune disease, um, but basically it's just your skin is different colors and different places. And I have that like basically throughout my chest and my belly at the moment and a little bit on my shoulders and arms. And it's not spreading anywhere else, but it's like mostly on my torso slash chest and, you know, it's summer, so it's bikini season. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have a lot of cystic acne that is part detox, part issue at the moment. So 
um, my skin doesn't feel the best it's ever felt. And it's actually taking a toll on my confidence, not going to lie. And that has been hard in terms of vanity for me because mm -hmm. I've always had really beautiful skin, even through a lot of the illness years. Like my people would stop me and say, wow, your skin is so pretty. Like that's how baby butt my face was. <laughs> like it, it was so nice. And I lost a lot of that in the past couple of years, especially when I've gone through detox and then gone through pharmaceutical withdrawal. Like my skin has expressed a lot of the imbalances inside essentially. So I would say the view of myself right now, just to be honest, I have a little bit of confidence issues around my skin and I try not to pay too much attention to it or let it stop me from doing things. And I'm doing a pretty good job at making sure that it's not interfering with my life, but I don't like, I feel kind of gross sometimes and I'm sure you can like relate to that. Like hundred percent. Like, yeah. Like I just feel gross in, in some way. So I'm still struggling with that, but I feel like my internal view of myself, like the way that I treat myself is no longer like you suck. It's like, let's get you what you need. And that's just so huge. Like when I'm not sleeping or when I'm having a symptom, like I talk to myself like really nicely. Like I call myself babe all the time. I'm like, it's fine, babe. Like we're going to get through this. It's not going to last forever. What do you need, babe? Like really, I tell myself these things and the way that I've interacted with myself throughout the years has shifted because it's no longer from a place of self-hate it's from a place of how can I take care of you and mm -hmm. that's what I really really needed to like start changing things so that's doing really well but just to keep it real because that's what I do like I have had a lot of moments in the past months where I'm just like oh I feel gross like I don't feel I'd like for this rash to be gone. I would like for my acne to clear up. And I know it's vanity and it's not really interfering with my work and how I'm, you know, performing in the world in terms of like being able to earn an income and take care of myself. So that's, that's okay. You know, that's great that it's not affecting me in that way, but I do feel like a little gross sometimes if you can, if you can relate to it. And I think that I'm excited for the skin to heal is what I'm saying as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely relate to the feeling gross. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I think if you are, have something going on on the inside of your body that maybe people can't really tell that you're sick, but then all of a sudden you start getting physical outward symptoms, mm -hmm. um, that can really be, a, you know, something to get used to. That's for me. Um, you know, I have, felt sick for a long time. And people would always say, I don't understand how you're sick. You seem fine. You seem healthy. You look great. You look well rested. Um, that was all well and good. And then that's, that was all that I was holding on to. Um, like at least I don't look sick. Yeah. And then I started to look sick. So yeah. then my hair started to fall out. And then uh, now I have this skin condition that I still don't know what it is, but I just have this red blotchy, it looks like a rash, but it's not really a rash all over my face all the time. Um, and so I couldn't hide it anymore. Um, so in one way it was good because I had to start being truthful with other people about what was going on. But I also felt like I lost the one thing I had, which was that I didn't look sick. Um, and so that then made me feel gross on the inside and the outside. And so it is definitely, um, you know, I live my life. I, try not to worry about it. But every now and then I'll look in the mirror. I'm like, Oh, 
today I think you should stay inside and I can't. Um, but that can be really challenging um, to not let it define you. Like these are my symptoms and it's not who I am. But having that level of self-compassion um, that you were describing when you talk to yourself and you call yourself babe and you're like, what do you need? What do you need? That I think is everything when you're healing because you have to treat yourself almost like a child, like you would treat a child um, with that level of understanding, especially when you're in a fearful place um, because otherwise it just will magnify. And then, then you literally are at war with yourself because you're, you're fighting against what you need. Right. Yeah. And, oof, that, but that took me a while. Yeah. I want to highlight that. Like that didn't happen like as a decision that I was like, yep, yeah, I'm going to treat myself nice now. Yeah, no, I think it, <laughs> yeah, every day, uh, for me, every day it's a decision. And like some days I realize at the end of the day that I've been pretty mean to myself and then yeah. other days it comes easier. Um, yeah. And I think that's actually, I'll like clarify just cause I feel like I didn't say it properly. I feel like it was an ongoing repeated decision yes. to myself nicely. It wasn't like a one-time decision of like, yeah, we're going to take care of you now. Right. It was like the best that I could every single time. And then it got easier and easier. As exactly. Time went on. Yeah. And it's not always perfect. <laughs> None of this is always perfect, um, but no. it's not always crap either. And I think sometimes yeah. we forget that. Like you can still be sick and have a really great day um, yeah. and it neither define you. Yeah. So true. Um, I feel like we could keep talking about this forever and I definitely will mm -hmm. want to have you on again because I think these are just conversations that we aren't having often. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of gloss over it or we tell the, the after story. Um, yeah, of, of exactly. we tell Now I'm healed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. we don't tell like, but I, you know, slept for two hours last night or yeah, my, mm -hmm. I was having panic attacks all night. We kind of gloss mm -hmm. over all that stuff and we just talk about what's working. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's room for both. And I think that's always going to be the case. Like you might not always be suffering, which is the goal, right? But you'll always have minor setbacks. Always. Right. Most likely. Like <laughs> it's not health. Like it'll be something else, right? Like it's normal to be in this, you know, messy place because that's just being human. We don't only have one state. And I think that's something that's so healing for me in, in recovering from chronic illness is that it's like, okay to not always just be good. Right. Yeah. Well, and just knowing that the good is temporary and the bad is temporary. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I try and remind myself that more so in the bad moments, cause you want the good ones to stay, but, um, mm -hmm. that every, every day, every minute, every hour is going to be different. And so I could fight against it or I could learn to work with it. Yep. Love it. That's a good note to end on. <laughs> um, and um, the name of the podcast is called Rethinking It. And mm -hmm. so I was wondering if you could share as we end, um, if there's one thing about yourself that you never thought would ever change, um, and it has. Oh my gosh. I never thought I would want to get married. And that's t nothing to do with, <laughs> with chronic illness. But yeah. I used to have a really huge stance and I'm not married yet, but I do have the desire to be married. Um, 
to someone in particular as well. So <laughs> that's cool. Um, but yeah, no, I went through a lot of trauma around uh, marriage and family and divorce and just so much pain there. And I truly, truly, when I was a teenager and like when I was in school and things like that and in different relationships, like I just, I never thought that I was going to want to get married. Like I thought that was going to, I thought partnership was a waste of time. So did I. Really? Yeah. My whole life I have said, I'm never getting married. I'm never, I don't even want to be in a long-term relationship. I think relationships are crap. Um, Like I'll date here and there, but I will never, ever, ever, ever get married. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I used to feel the exact same way. And the thing is, is like, I don't have a timeline for when I'm going to get married. Like I don't have like, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not engaged. Like there's, but the thing is, is like in the past couple of years, I've started to feel like whether it's this person or not, like that I have in mind, I've started to feel like, Oh, partnership is actually like cool. (laughs) It's necessary. It's healing. And that was just something I never thought I would change my mind on because I, I had so much pain around it, kind of similar to you, it sounds like, yeah. that I just felt like I just was never going to waste my time on basically temporary relationships. <laughs> yeah, it didn't, yeah, for me, it didn't feel safe. So yeah. like yeah. I couldn't trust that a partnership yeah. was going to ever work out. So I wasn't yeah. even going to try. So I was just going to declare, put this bubble yeah. around myself, like do not enter. This will not right. be a long-term relationship. Right, right. And I used to even sometimes pick like wrong people. Oh, 100%. Because I knew that I wasn't going to like end up in anything. Yeah, (laughs) I would seek them out. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's something I know it has nothing to do with chronic illness, but sort of because it has to do with recovering from trauma as well. But yeah, that's something that's changed. And um, like I said, I have no plans to at the moment. But um, yeah, that's something that's changed. And not even like just getting married, just the fact that like partnership. Mm Mm-hmm. I used to think it was pointless. Like that's changed for me. So yeah, but I yeah never for me too. I mean, and yeah. I, I mean, like I said earlier, I've been with my boyfriend for eight years. I would, yeah. you know, I imagine we'll get married one day, although like you, I don't have a timeline, but I have the right. desire. Um, right. And that to me is shocking. Um, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's been so nice having this conversation with you. Um, I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And I just really appreciate how, how much you balance sharing it all. Um, and I send you these messages all the time, but I'll be scrolling, feeling like really terrible. And then I see you share something and I can just breathe easier, just knowing that someone else is going through it. So, um, I just really appreciate that about you. Oh, thank you so much. That actually means so much to me. I was so glad when you reached out to I don't even know if I reached out to you or you reached out to me, but whatever. I'm glad that we had this conversation. Me too. And I definitely think we need to continue it because like, like we've said all along, this changes all the time. And so, you know, we could talk in three months and be in completely different spots with our health and have different perspectives. Yeah. Um, and that's cool. all part of it. Cool. Well, I'm down. Thank okay. you. Okay. So- 
Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Rethinking It. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd be so grateful if you could subscribe, if you wouldn't mind rating it or leaving a short review. It's the number one way that other people can find the podcast. So if you're finding value in it, along with sharing it with your friends and family, strangers in line at the grocery store, um, it would be really great if you could subscribe to the podcast and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. 